After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Please move it. Please move it. Please move it. I got to admit this. I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on this. I'm bang on. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch it here. Good checking, guys. That's good play. in mid-season form, the players, the coaches, the Department of Player Safety. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little puzzled, actually, by some of the choices, decisions, or if, shall we say non-calls by the Department of Player Safety this week. Taking a bit of time off for the All-Star break a little early, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> an interesting way to look at it. I hadn't really <laughs> thought of that, but it's just, you know, we're not going to have the extended Olympic break. Well, you know what? We need a little time. So we're just going to, we're just going to let you guys play through this week. Hey, guys got to take their vacation at some point, right? They thought they were going to have a couple weeks off and uh, you got to squeeze in those days when you can. There you are. Anyhow, we are joking, but we do have serious situations to discuss on this week's edition of the Scouting the Rest podcast. It, of course, is brought to you by Manscaped, and there are special savings available for you at manscaped.com with our partnership by using the code REFS. That's R-E-F-S. When you make your order on the manscaped.com website, use the code REFS and receive 20% off and get free shipping. January is coming to an end. February is arriving. It's full-on hearts and roses talk from everyone. You've still got lots of time to A, get a great gift from Manscaped to share with someone, and B, use those Manscaped products to create a clean, welcoming landing area to enjoy V-Day to the fullest. Now, if you haven't taken advantage of the amazing products from Manscaped, we're not sure what you're waiting for. We've been telling you about it for a while. We've been offering you the special savings on the Lawnmower 4.0. It's part of the performance package that comes with the Weed Whacker. It includes a perfectly fitting pair of boxers, a travel case, and much more. It's got everything you need, and they are the best grooming products. Super sharp, super safe with the skin safe technology from Manscaped. Look good, tidy up, get the look you're looking for in time for Valentine's Day, because Josh, don't the, the Manscaped products make the best Valentine's Day gifts? Well, it's nice, right? Because someone can gift it to someone else as a subtle hint, or someone can take it upon themselves to gift that special someone by acquiring and using the Manscaped products, because it it is nice. It makes you feel good. It makes you smell good. Uh, the body wash, yeah. the, the lotions, they all have that great, strong fragrance as well. So it's it's something that I think you can appreciate on on either side of the gift giving because someone will appreciate what comes out at the end. Go to manscaped.com, use the code REFS for your purchase, get 20% off, get free delivery, do it now. Please make sure you're following Josh and I on our social channels. For Josh, it's at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram as well. On this week's episode, it's an injury-filled week for the Stripes. Dell dumps Brunstrom. Dylan drills Bluger, Spurgeon slams Dvorak, and at least he didn't bite him. Are you intrigued? <laughs> that is an alliterative, beautifully alliterative sentence there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, we should address the injury situation because it, it's been a really difficult and challenging week for the guys wearing stripes out on the ice and, and good for them for toughing it out in a lot of different situations. It, it hasn't just been one thing we've seen a number of the different hazards of the gig illustrated this past week in the National Hockey League. First of all, I guess one that we see fairly regularly, referee Kelly Sutherland took one for the team during the Caps and Sens game. The puck was cleared by Thomas Shabbat of the Sens, and he really stung Sutherland. It took him a minute to get his wind back and collect himself. It made me think, Josh, tell me a little bit about the kind of protective gear that officials wear out on the ice. They don't wear the same kind of shoulder pads and, and the like that hockey players do. They're geared up a little differently. They are. It's, I would say, similar in concept from head to toe, but a lot lighter, a lot less protective. You're not looking at the hard capped shoulder pads, but you are wearing some sort of body protection. And and anyone who's worked games at, at any level will tell you all it takes is one set of broken ribs from a puck or a stick or something there, and, and you will be wearing that kind of gear. So certainly not as elaborate as what the players wear but these guys are outfitted shin guards elbows body protection uh, pants and girdle they need to be because the pace of play is so quick and with pucks sticks and guys running all over the place you can't avoid some collisions sometimes but unfortunately they're inevitable and and of course the puck always seems to find the places that are least protected couldn't tell if sutherland caught the puck in the lower back or in the leg but either way not a spot that you really want to take a shot there and uh, good for him for staying in the game but ouch that one stings yeah i'm sure that one left a mark after a while and you mentioned the body contact that does sometimes ensue between officials and players this was demonstrated beautifully by referee francois Saint-Laurent, who had an excellent full body check on Boston Bruins' Derek Forbert last week. There was no head contact. He hit through the body as he was skating backwards. And this, this was the illustration of a good hockey hit, except it shouldn't really take place between the referee and a player. <laughs> no, no, I might have whistled it for interference. I got to go back and see where the puck was. But speaking to a, an official, uh, called it a reverse hip check, if you will, <laughs> as, as Saint Laurent backed into Forbert. Unfortunately, everything Francois was doing to avoid the play, and it was a dump in into the corner. You had the Jets and the Bruins charging for the puck, and he skates backwards behind the net, removing himself from where the action's taking place and directly into the path of Derek Forbert. So a bit of an unfortunate situation. Thankfully, there was no goal score. There was a scoring chance for the Jets, so Boston was able to hang on there, but no injury on the play. And, and you could see Saint Laurent exchanging words with Forbert, apologizing for just being caught in the wrong place and delivering the perfect pick play to keep him from getting to that puck. Uh, it, it really was a, a, a good full body check. Uh, neither party was injured. I almost, almost thought that he was, he, he Cronwalled him. You remember how Nicholas <laughs> yes. Cronwald used to back up into guys? Yeah, a sneaky move where you don't necessarily see it coming. You, you, you're looking at the back of the guy's helmet. You're not consciously thinking he's coming after you but you know you hear the the backing up beep and you just get steamrolled so <laughs> it's just about the only thing that was missing from that <laughs> okay there was another one that was of kind of a serious but humorous nature it involved referee ian walsh and this one makes everybody wince a little during a game between the habs and the colorado avalanche Walsh was in front of Canadiens defenseman Ben Sherratt as he cleared the puck from the corner in his own end of the ice. The play was whistled down. Uh, presumably, it was one of the other referees who blew the play dead because I'm pretty sure Ian Walsh was unable to because he was having trouble catching his breath. Because 
as Sherratt shot the puck, well, let's just say he caught Ian Walsh in the undercarriage on the follow-through. And yes, while you are supposed to be in control of your stick, if it's on the follow-through, there is no penalty, except Ian Walsh felt penalized, I well, think. Well, yes, penalized is a strong and accurate word for how Walsh he was feeling. Poor guy. He avoided the puck, which, you know, you're, you're giving up the boards there. You want to give a clear path for the defender to clear the puck out of the zone, and he did that. He gave him the boards. The puck went along the boards. Problem was on the follow-through, and yeah, an, an unfortunate spot. You know, a few few inches one way or the other, a shot to the leg is not nearly as bad, but right between the wickets, that that stings. Should we read anything into this that the name of the building where the game was taking place is Ball Arena? <laughs> I, I think we'll just use this as a reminder to wear the appropriate protective gear just to preserve certain parts of the anatomy. Okay, let's let's go with that then. There was another incident involving a game with the Montreal Canadiens as well. This one against the Minnesota Wild. Wild defenseman Jared Spurgeon cruising through the slot makes contact with the head of Montreal forward Christian Dvorak. Dvorak left the game, did not return, and now we're waiting to see how long he may be out of the lineup. The question becomes, was this an accidental collision? Was it on purpose? Was it perhaps accidentally on purpose? I did see a tweet on social media from ESPN referee analyst Dave Jackson, because they're one of the networks that has one, who saw this as unintentional and from angles he viewed, thought that Spurgeon tried to lean left to minimize the impact. Did you see it this way? I, I can absolutely see that argument where Spurgeon's trying to thread the needle between Dvorak and Erickson Eck. It may have been the case where he's so focused on the puck and making the play at the net that he shifts, he turns his body. It, it didn't look like he was setting up to deliver any head contact or any hit at all. So I, I can absolutely see where Jackson's coming from here. To me, the other part, Todd, is, is whether the contact was avoidable when we look at the illegal check to the head rule. And I feel like the positioning of the players and where people were coming together, this might have been one of those situations where you have a congregation of folks or people just collapsing down on the net and and Spurgeon didn't have the opportunity to avoid any more than he was able to attempt to do by turning his body. So I'm thinking that when the league's rendering their decision or, or lack or decision to not offer any supplemental discipline, that that's what they're looking at on the play here. And it was unfortunate. It's an unfortunate outcome. And it, it clearly is head contact, but a situation where it may have been unavoidable on that play. It's one of the situations where sometimes there's body contact, sometimes bad things happen, sometimes there are collisions and injuries do result because it's a quick, speedy, fast and physical game. Absolutely. And one thing to remember that unlike the IIHF, the NHL is not a no head contact league. There are situations where contact is made or a hit is made where there is head contact and it's not automatically illegal. That's why the league has a specific rule for illegal checks to the head where the IIHF looks at any head contact. It's it's a little bit different there. So playing internationally, you're looking at this situation through a different lens than you are at the NHL level. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Special savings available for you at manscaped.com by using the code REFS when you check out for your order, get 20% off and get free shipping. Okay, let's talk a little bit about one that we've discussed from the other angle and what I mean is when goalies get involved and when goaltenders skate out to play the puck or remove themselves from the blue paint of the crease to get a little more involved in the play. It doesn't mean 
that when a goaltender leaves the crease, that there is open season and you get a free shot. Well, apparently, goaltender Aaron Dell feels that he has the right to play a more physical role in the game. As the Buffalo Sabres were taking on the Ottawa Senators, goalie Aaron Dell gave a little shoulder nudge, shall we say, to Ottawa's Drake Batherson and sent him crashing into the end boards. There was no call on the play. The referee was on the opposite side of the ice uh, with the net and the goaltender between him where the collision took place. So I'll, I will cut the officials some slack on this. But Dell absolutely should have been penalized. Well, you could call it interference. I guess you could call it boarding, maybe even a combination of both. But I am happy to see that he has been brought up on charges by the Department of Player Safety and is going to have a hearing because Batherson suffered a significant injury. He's going to miss the All-Star game and probably some time. And this was clearly a penalty and an infraction. Absolutely. And you mentioned it, Todd, that goaltenders are not fair game outside the crease. And to a certain extent, they can use that to their advantage. And you, you can't do a pick play. But if you're going out to play the puck as Dell was, just his presence outside the crease would require Batherson to go around him. So it does buy some time or space for his teammates. What you can't do is stick your arm out, stick your leg out, put your stick out and make contact with the player. And it was it was really unfortunate. It was extremely dangerous and flagrant. Batherson didn't expect any contact coming. And that elbow certainly caught him up high. And we talked about officials and their equipment. When you talk about goaltending equipment, it's designed to stop pucks. It's not designed to absorb hits. So you've got some different gear there. But when it's delivering hits, in this case, that elbow cup is enormous on a goaltender's arm. So the contact, the surface area that took Batherson out, it's a pretty significant space. And it resulted in an injury, which adds to the unfortunate nature of this situation. But yeah, that's absolutely something you can't do. Something that Dell has been guilty of doing in the past of trying to catch guys on their way through like you said I, I can't blame the officials for how this went you see that there may have been contact there's lots of reasons when guys are going by they're watching to see if the goalie went down you know if Batherson's trying to sweep his feet out as they go by which players have been known to do but good to see player safety taking a second look at this and coming down on Dell with what will be a fine or a suspension and and given his history and I know he hasn't been fined or suspended for this before but they will look at the situations in the past, and, and there were at least two or three where Dell has has done something similar, and they'll absolutely consider that when evaluating how to respond to this hit. I'm looking forward to the explanation, and the as the videos have shown the history of Aaron Dell as part of the phrasing, because yes, that will be taken into consideration just as an injury to the, the opponent is taken into consideration for penalty. Yep, and I, I don't know that it'll be more than a fine, but I think it should be. And and my thought process behind that, Todd, is we've got a non-hockey play. We've got a guy with a dangerous situation, and I know it resulted in an injury, but even if it hadn't, just the fact that a goaltender is typically protected, he's taking advantage of that rule to go out and put an elbow out there and take out another player. I, I would think that one game would be a great way to send a message just to remind goalies not to do this, and that's a certainly more effective approach than a $5,000 fine. I want to talk next about a game between the Winnipeg Jets and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Penn's winger Teddy Bluger is going to miss some time. Uh, the estimate is between six and eight weeks because he suffered a broken jaw after sustaining a hit from Jets defenseman Brendan Dillon. Dillon crunched him against the glass. Bluger came off the, the hit, fell to the ice. The play was whistled. He got up and went to the bench, dripping blood. The officials did huddle and talk about it. There was no call on the play. 
And the disappointing part to me in this one is there is nothing from player safety. So to take it apart a little bit, I can understand that this is not the worst hit that we have seen. Teddy Bluger does appear to have contact with the stanchion after he is hit by Dylan, not just the glass, but the metal stanchion that's holding the two panes of glass together. But Dylan also doesn't hit him directly on the shoulder. It does look like his shoulder hits him on the chin. And what gets it for me is that Dylan is elevating himself through the check and into Bluger as he completes the check on the forward. So Mike Sullivan was pretty critical about this. Um, I I don't know if there will be some secret fine for him, but uh, so far Dylan's received no punishment, and I think he should have been. I agree, and uh, you nailed the key for me, Todd, was the elevation of the hit. It's hard to see if he leaves his feet or if he's just lifting upward and his feet come off the ground as the body check is being delivered. But I look at this situation as one where Dylan had every opportunity to deliver a legal body check. Didn't appear that it was going to be boarding, looked like it would have been shoulder on shoulder, perfectly legal. But that upward movement, which carried him into making contact with the head, and whether it's initial contact with the shoulder and primary contact or main contact, and that's what the league goes by, main point of contact. So even if the shoulder was the first point, it may not be considered the main point of contact. And that was my take on it, and I I thought we'd be looking at a suspension here just for that that elevation making this a high, dangerous body check. And certainly, we can't rule based on the outcome. There was an injury, a serious one with the broken jaw. But the first thing player safety is looking at is the act itself. And was this particular act a suspendable offense? To me, it was. To player safety, not this time. And again, this is where an explanation of why it does not rise to the level of supplemental discipline would be helpful. But I have another question that just occurred to me about this one. As you were talking about the the skates leaving the ice, whether it's during the check or to initiate the check, would it be helpful if we were to enforce that players needed to maintain contact with their skates on the ice as they completed a body check would that be helpful it'd be an interesting take now i just i know it wouldn't apply because it's a different rule but i'm just having flashbacks of an offside challenge where we're trying to figure out if a player's skates remained in contact with the ice or not so we've yes. we've wiped that out on the blue line but i think it's it's hard because players are allowed to explode out into a body check they are allowed to push with their shoulders, with their upper body, with their legs into the hit. And often that momentum on a legal body check does take them off the ice. So it's a fine line there. I don't think we can require it just because of the physical nature of the game and and so many moving parts and legs and bodies. But I think that's something that the league has in the past taken a look at. You know, is the player leaving the ice? Is he jumping? You know, is this a charging penalty or not? And it's, it's a very fine line because once again, we get into that intent space or was this were the result of the hit or was this what led to the hit? So it's it's tricky to define. I don't know that requiring skates stay on the ice is the right answer, but certainly a, a stricter standard for the calls might get more of those hits out of the game. I thought I'd ask. It was an interesting Good thought. try. Okay. Okay. One more to get to as we wrap up this edition. We often hear stories of players who come into the National Hockey League and follow in their father's footsteps. Well, Brendan Lemieux of the Los Angeles Kings seems to be doing just that. Of course, his dad is the famous Claude Lemieux, known for, shall we say, agitating. Brendan already got himself uh, dispatched from New York to L.A., and when the Kings returned to the Garden this past week, he took a healthy run at the Rangers' Ryan Lindgren. I mean, 
This was pretty simple to see. It was right through the numbers. He drilled Lindgren into the boards. It was dumb. He got five and a game. But you know, Josh, I kind of hope he also got a WTF, are you doing, <laughs> phone call from the league because this is this is a pattern of behavior. Remember, he's already been suspended for biting Ottawa's Brady Kachuk. This has got to stop. Yeah, I think they. you look at the guys who consistently find them sides find themselves on the wrong side of player safety rulings and it's hard to combine a biting incident with a hitting incident but you certainly look back at a player's history and see that they have a tendency to engage in this type of behavior that is I would say slightly over the line or way over the line and this hit clearly was over the line I, I think uh, as you alluded to earlier on a different hit, you, we have a situation where player safety felt it did not rise to the level of supplemental discipline. And and I can get that. It was a, a textbook boarding call, clearly hitting him through the numbers. And this wasn't a situation where Lindgren turned his body or changed his position at the last second. Pretty straightforward call. Glad to see the call made on the ice. And I, and I understand where player safety is coming from with no supplemental discipline. But it is good to keep in mind that with the record he has, these don't go away. And that repeat offender status doesn't vanish. It does from a salary standpoint after 18 months, but when it comes to Lemieux's next incident, and there will be a next incident, the bite, this boarding, and plenty of other instances in his career will be considered when the league determines how long to suspend him for. So just a matter of time, Todd. I guess so, but I understand that you don't want to have a history and I guess my concern is that Brendan Lemieux is going beyond that. I mean, I think his number is now on speed dial by the Department of Player <laughs> Safety. Well, you know, they just had to update their phone contacts. His dad was already in there, so they just needed to update. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the favorites now. Yeah. The Scouting the Rest podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code REFS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code REFS. That's R-E-F-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.